Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Cooper Cup, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Welcome, folks, to the 2023 edition of the RosterWatch.com Tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert, and we'll begin this season in week four. And this is where we'll meet every week to discuss improving our fantasy football teams through the trade market. And of course, at this juncture of the season, we have a lot of uncertainty. So a bit of the Wild West out there, which means we have a large player pool, a lot of names potentially Uh, could be on the move this week or next. So this will be a bit of a turbo edition of the Tradecast so we can at least briefly touch on a lot of players today that could be be on the move in your league, maybe on your roster, or maybe somebody this is you a player you want to uh, track down. Uh, But I think what we'll do is we'll dive right in with our top five trade targets of the week. We always want to leave this podcast with some actionable information. So we'll distill it down to our top five trade targets of the week. And I suppose uh, we want to build the anticipation here. So we'll start with our number five. Our number five trade target of the week at rosterwatch.com is Austin Eckler running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. He's been injured with the Ankle sprain, uh, still up in the air whether he is going to return in Week Five against the Raiders, which you know traditionally would be a pretty good match matchup. You'd be interested in, very excited in uh, having uh, Eckler participate in. However, we're getting kind of mixed signals at this point in the week because he does have a Week Five bye, so logic kind of prevails that it would make sense if Eckler is questionable. To rest him up this week, uh, let that thing heal up through the bye, and then bring him back totally healthy in week six. So I think depending on his situation, whatever word we get this as this week progresses on what Eckler's status is for week four, and this is something we might even need to watch on into next week with Eckler as he heads into the bye, uh, whether he plays or not this week, I think he's somebody who may be available or um, maybe somebody that you want to target on the fantasy football uh, trade market. Certainly if he's declared out this week and then he's also on hiatus for the week five bye, that could create a a purchasing moment in your league to track down Austin Eckler from, you know, potentially a struggling team who needs to get a win and 
really can't afford to live without him for the next couple of weeks. So, you know, once again, that'll give us the opportunity to zoom out a little bit. I mean, the most common situation that uh, you are going to be see manifesting on the trade market in your fantasy football league at this juncture of the season is, you know, there's going to be some teams who got off to a hot start. Uh, they're three and zero, maybe soon to be four and zero, and you have some teams that have gotten off to a really slow start, zero and three, soon to be zero and four. These are the teams that are most likely to be participating in the trade market this week. So, uh, you know, the, the ideal situation is to be one of these winning teams that's going to one of these losing teams. And trying to pick their players off, of course, generally what we're hoping to do is if we're winning team, we've probably got a bunch of good players. We want to consolidate two of the players on our team and go track down a superior player from a losing team in a two-for-one swap, thereby liberating a valuable roster spot that we can cultivate more talent uh, through the waiver wire. And we continue to cycle over the season and we'll just really, really uh, build the strength, uh, our team will become very, very powerful uh, and very, very valuable over the course of the season if uh, we continue doing this. So that's kind of the most frequent trade configuration at this juncture of the season. Of course, you may be a prescient owner. You may be an active owner. Uh, you may be a real uh, down-in-the-weeds uh, kind of fantasy football player and you want to be active. It's fine to be 2-1 and one or 1-2 one and two or somewhere kind of in the middle of the standings, if you've identified, I mean, we want to trade with a purpose. So if you've identified a certain need or an interest in a certain player, uh, you know, by all means, I think you should try to improve your team through the fantasy football trade market. And first and foremost, if I had the capability to do it, I'd keep an eye on Austin Eckler this week and I may go chase him down if, for some reason, he's either out or limited this week or plays and is re-injured and is going to be out again. I think this is a player we need to keep an eye on. And then, if of course, if you're a losing team, I think it's early to want to depart with somebody like this unless you're 0-3. Uh, but we need to realize, like, you got to get wins now every week of the season. So at some point, um, if you are a losing team, you, you've got to identify why you're losing. And you may have to part with some of your best players in order to uh, field a more competitive starting lineup on a weekly basis uh, to increase your chances of getting off the snide and starting to put up some wins uh, in the standings of your uh, league. Uh, the number four trade target of the week, the number four trade target of week four right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast is Los Angeles Rams wide receiver Cooper Cup with a week 10 by far, far in the distance, and a really good schedule rest of season. It's been very quiet on the Cooper Cup front and obviously very loud on the Puka Nakua front. The Rams, no no team we're more familiar with than the Rams. We're at training camp this year. We saw all these players that are popping off right now. We predicted a lot of this. Uh, we've obviously seen Cup and the Rams over over many, many years. And so it's been a little bit quiet, not 100% sure what to make, of Cooper Cup's health status at this point. But I think if you're a precocious team and you're in the driver's seat, 
with a flawless record and a you know a roster rich of assets. I mean, Cooper Cup. I mean, dude, this is all about taking calculated risks. Not you're never gonna have perfect information on the season. Uh, we want to put ourselves in position to win. And like, here's the thing: the Rams look a lot better than I expected them to look. They really, they really did. So, um, I, I, my my biggest concern was that Cooper Cup may ultimately be sidelined longer than we hoped if this was a non-competitive team. But I think they are a competitive team. So I do think Cooper Cup will return, um, you know, barring an absolute unforeseen catastrophe. And even if you want to, uh, you know, maybe minimize your projections on Cooper Cup rest of season a little bit because we are seeing Tutu and Puka pop guys that should continue to be involved. I mean, maybe Cooper Cup doesn't walk right back into 10 to 15 targets a week. And that, that may just be the reality at this point, but that's still okay. He's still as good as these other guys are. I mean, he's still, we forget Cooper Cup is still one of the very, very best in the league at, at minimum, a top five to 10 talent at the wide receiver position still win healthy. And then obviously given the utilization there in with the Rams. We've seen that push him all the board way up the board to board to wide receiver one. So I think we still live in that neighborhood if we have a healthy Cooper Cup with the Rams plugging away um, the way that they are. So certainly if I'm a winning team right now, I'm getting smart. I'm going after Cooper Cup and I'm trying to uh, stock the uh, nuclear arsenal up early and often uh, this season uh, because we want to go um, – Absolute scorched earth on our opponents. Uh, trade target number three at rosterwatch.com this week in a similar bucket to Cooper Cup. Jonathan Taylor, running back, Indianapolis Colts. Another guy that's been very quiet on the Jonathan Taylor front. Also, like Cooper Cup, even better. Jonathan Taylor does not have a bye until week 11 this season. So if and when he gets back, hopefully you know, as soon as week five, I mean, you have a guy you don't, you get to plug away with every week of the season. You don't have to worry about a buy for a long time. You go out, you worry about just getting wins right now, which is the most important thing. Um, opposed to Cooper Cup, Cooper Cup has a nice schedule on paper rest of season. He really, really does. Jonathan Taylor has a fairly rough schedule on paper rest of season. Uh, that said, like, it's Jonathan Taylor. So you know you can't make too much of the schedule, and also these Colts look good. <laughs> they look better. Not only is Anthony Richardson our guy, Anthony Richardson looked good. The team looks good, and they look good on defense, and they look good along the offensive line. And we see a guy like Zach Moss, who <laughs> uh, for, here's a, a, a bit of foreshadowing. We'll be uh, probably mentioning here. Uh, uh, in a later portion of this episode, uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is in a very good, quietly in a very good situation if and when he does return. And my spider census says Jonathan Taylor is going to return. He is going to be a Colt. And he's walking back into a pretty good situation. All of a sudden, that becomes lethal uh, with him and uh, uh, Anthony Richardson opening things up. I really, really like that starting to shape up potentially as a league winning type of play. If you can make this play on the trade market and uh, still a couple 
uh, at least, you know, at least another week out from participating. I think this would be the last time to try to strike uh, in the trade market uh, from a desperate owner. For Jonathan Taylor, you could easily have a desperate Jonathan Taylor owner in your league. I think this makes him a very likely potential trade target that it would be negligent if he at least didn't make an offer uh, this week in your league. Sticking at the running back group, the number two trade target of the week on the rosterwatch.com tradecast here in week four. Again, I'm Byron Lambert, co-founder at Rosterwatch. The tradecast, if you're new here, has been an annual and very popular staple over the years. And guys, it really has helped us win championships because you know we all know that our drafts are important and, and obviously a lot of fun and excitement around those. And they're about half the battle. And then waiver wire in season is obviously a massive component but the third piece of that holy trinity that's often forgotten is the trade market you know or at very least underutilized and uh, we try to make it simple here with actionable information uh, every week of the season on the trade cast and i think you'll kind of learn the academics of it along the way you'll learn how to think about these trades so that um, you know, you can you can go through these motions on your own. I mean, we're not always going to give you a fully exhaustive list of players every week. Sometimes yeah, the trade market in your league or uh, maybe the trade dynamics with your team are going to be a little different than we talk about here, but you're going to learn how to assess those situations um, by listening to this podcast. So the number two trade target of the week here is Josh Jacobs at the running back position. Obviously a very, very slow start. Somewhat, my view, predictably for Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. Predictably and unsurprisingly. And there's no guarantee. Actually, I'd be surprised if he returned to last year's form. I'm not sure that's ever my expectation. It could be that last year was an outlier in Josh Jacobs' career. I still think he's a very, very good player. And that may or may not be true. Um, and But again, these are calculated risks, and Josh Jacobs is basically one of the very best players in all of fantasy in, the, in all the NFL. Great season at running back last year. Obviously out of rhythm, missing camp, but also not beat up, missing camp after a heavy uh, workload. A very solid fantasy schedule for Josh Jacobs, running back Las Vegas Raiders, uh, the next two months on the fantasy schedule. So I think this is a guy, if you can go get him now, you're really going to be able to kind of set it, forget it with him for the next few months and just eat and go rack up wins. He doesn't have a buy until week 13. And I do think, obviously, with the new quarterback, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, this is never going to be a fully wide-open offense. But I think there's an acclimation period here. And I think we do start to – we're starting to see things heat up with Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, and Jimmy Garoppolo, which I also think, in theory, over time, should open things up. Uh, for Josh Jacobs a little bit. So no guarantees he will repeat last year's performance, but obviously a top-shelf type of name that his owners could easily be getting antsy at this point in the season. And if I was a winning team lavish with fantasy assets, I'd go chase Josh Jacobs down right now. And, boy, imagine if you could slide him in as, like, your RB2 or one of your flexes. That sure would be a powerful move. Last but not least, our number one trademark, uh, trade target of the uh, fantasy football trade market here in week four on the rosterwatch.com trademark, uh, uh, tradecast is the Dallas Cowboys uh, premier wide receiver, CeeDee Lamb. Um, 
I think this one we may be one week ahead of because he does have this week five matchup with the New England Patriots who on the matchup tool over at rosterwatch.com are not an impossible matchup for fantasy wide receivers, but you know, my eyes just tell me that their young, long, fast corner Christian Gonzalez is an absolute matchup nightmare for opposing wide receivers, including elite and super elite opposing wide receivers. So I worry a little bit about the matchup uh, this week uh, against uh, or or after uh, uh, this week. I worry a little bit about the matchup with uh, New England uh, for CeeDee Lamb. And let me just verify here. I want to make sure I'm telling you guys the right thing. I have it jotted down. Yeah, it is this week. 43-point over-under. Cowboys, uh, big favorites at home. Just think Belichick, we all know he tries to take your best player away. I don't like the personnel matchup here. So what I'm saying is if you can't get Lamb this week, uh, you may be able to still go after him next week in week five at even a bigger discount. So you could wait or perhaps you just go for it now. And, you know, it's still CD lamb. He's still capable of a big game at any moment. And, you know, maybe just temper your expectations a little bit uh, for a week because CD lamb does have a very solid schedule rest of the, uh, of the season. And, you know, I think a number of dynamics may mean he'll never be wide receiver one this year or may not end up wide receiver one or top three fantasy wide receivers this year. But I think we should still remember that CeeDee Lamb, this is a very talent-rich uh, league when it comes to wide receivers. But CeeDee Lamb, very easily still a top 5, 10 talent. I mean, right up there with the Chris Olaves, the Garrett Wilsons. I mean, I don't put him far off the mark with uh, the Jamar uh, chases. I mean, I think, you know, Justin Jefferson, Tyree Kill, these guys kind of live in their own um, stratosphere at the moment. But talent-wise, it's, you know, in terms of production, but talent-wise, I mean, you're you're talking about a whole gaggle of just really, really good players. And CeeDee Lamb's right in the pocket on, on a good team with a good roster and a good offense. I mean, you could argue the limitations probably are Dak and Mike McCarthy on CeeDee Lamb. And obviously he's got... Brandon Cooks and Gallup and, you know, Pollard, Pollard's good in the receiving game and hearing some whispers about maybe a significant move at the tight end position for the Cowboys that, you know, you could argue could cut into target share a little bit more. But at the end of the day, this is CeeDee Lamb. Uh, I think he's the top trade target of the week. Um, it's been a slow start. Let's, let's kind of back up here a little bit. We've kind of buzzed through these top five players pretty quickly. So CeeDee Lamb... And half point PPR, nine point seven points in week one, eight points uh, in week three, twenty points in week two. So two substandard weeks. His targets have been uh, all over the board. Let's let's go here to the touchdown dependency tool at uh, rosterwatch.com. Let's see what the targets per game for Lamb have been. Eight targets per game for Lamb. Boy, 0% touchdown dependency. He hasn't scored yet. So I, I think this real – trust me, I, I roster CeeDee Lamb. I don't try to make these broadcasts based on any personal biases. But you could be a little frustrated with CeeDee Lamb and the Cowboys passing offense easily at this point. He could have been a guy that people still weren't 1,000% sold on as like a super elite, you know, low-end round one, high-end round two guy. So those questions could be starting to permeate um, uh, those questions may be reactivating in some people's minds across some leagues. And I think CeeDee Lamb then uh, becomes 
uh, a nice uh, trade target. I'd say honorable mention in terms of our high-priority trade targets this week, just because the tight end position is so difficult to solve. Dallas Goddard, he has a week 10 bye. I, you know, you guys know I like Dallas Goddard. You know I like the Eagles offense. You know I like Jalen Hurts. Goddard was really pretty solid last year, especially before he had that little injury there um, kind of down the stretch. Uh, just been a slow start for Goddard. It is a tough matchup this week. A little bit below average season uh, schedule rest of season for sure on paper at this juncture. But again, I just think you're buying into like the best offense in the league. And there's a little bit boom busty there because there are so many mouths, uh, obviously, to feed. We even see that with Devontae Smith. But Goddard, very clearly the lead tight end, gets a big snap count. I just think there's so much better days to come. And if you're not sure what to do at tight end, I think Goddard's a guy that you don't have to spend a whole lot to go get. And But I think he's a guy you get him and you set it, forget it, and it's like you can eliminate one headache for the rest of the season, which is really meaningful um, with uh, you know this being such a long season of attrition and just so many considerations uh, to work through over the course of the year, if you can alleviate or relinquish, you know, a, a tight end position, I think it's worth doing. So I'd say Dallas Goddard uh, would be a guy to uh, consider that with at this point. Let's let's give just back up really quick. Let's so let's look at Josh Jacobs here. Give you guys some numbers here. Touches per game. Josh Jacobs is 18.33 touches per game, 4.67 targets per game. We sure do love to see that. Yards per carry, 2.4, absolutely pathetic, and zero touchdowns. So that's why he's even available in trade markets. But there's certainly numbers that will give his owners pause. Um, But uh, once again, uh, that makes Josh Jacobs available as a prime trade target uh, this week in week four of our fantasy football leagues. Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, no data on the season. Eckler, obviously we had uh, very little data on the season. We'll just double check here. There's really only one game played for Eckler. He had 20 touches in that game, including five targets. It was a 22-point game. So nothing's changed there. He's an absolute fantasy stud. Uh, when healthy, uh, you're not going to get him for cheap. Um, but the fact that he's even perhaps available in your league is... Uh, news to begin with on the fantasy football trade market in week four right here on the rosterwatch.com trade cast all right next up as we keep plugging away here let's go over some guys that i think are pretty definitive uh pretty definitive guys to attempt like to trade away this week just to see what you could fetch you know i talk about this a lot it's not always that you have to trade for or have to trade any any of these guys on or off your roster. A lot of these guys, they're not all must trades or must must buys or must sells. Some of them are, you know, these are these are players um that we just frankly need to consider, right? Well, we just need to consider these guys. So, yeah, we'd be remiss if we didn't begin with the Miami Dolphins running backs. Uh, Devon A-Chain and Raheem Mostert. Devon A-Chain, 51 fantasy points in uh, what was a week three versus Denver. Raheem Mostert, 41 fantasy points uh, versus Denver in that same matchup. I mean, it's just crazy to say. In half-point PPR, Raheem Mostert, 
points per game, the number one uh, running back in all of fantasy, David Devon Achain, the number three running back in all of fantasy. When you look at their snap count allocation in week three, what you'll see is Raheem Mostert, 20 touches, including seven targets on a 51% snap count, 142 yards. Devon Achain, a 41% snap count, so not in quite as much, but 22 touches, four targets, 233 total yards, and also four touchdowns. So kind of like an even distribution. Like we always knew this is going to be a committee. I mean, clearly when they're scoring 70 points, there's just enough to go around for everybody. I think you wonder if and when Jeff Wilson reemerges, does he get involved? I mean, I think you'd have to guess. Like we've always known the last two years attending Dolphins camp, Mostert was pretty much the guy. And that's mostly shown out when, when he's been healthy. That's the intention of the Dolphins. And then you know, obviously Devon A. Chain, all the dynasty guys, all the NFL draft guys, like this has kind of been the writing on the wall about this one. So I think these become the two lead guys with Wilson kind of on deck. Maybe, uh, you know, there's some, maybe that devolves a little bit. Uh, but no surprise, we've always kind of expected a little bit of a cannibalistic situation here. I think it just depends on how good this offense, you know, can be on a week-to-week basis because clearly when they go off, there's enough uh, for everybody to to go bananas. That said, I think like logic does dictate this is obviously the best game of the season for Mostert or A-Chain. This is obviously a committee backfield. To this point, this would be an outlier with the Dolphins. So there's certainly, un- certainly uncertainty uh, accompanies this as we make projections rest of the season. And therefore, that makes this by definition, a potential sell-high situation, not a must-sell situation because we like the team, we like the talents, we like what we see. We think this could perhaps continue, but we know it cannot plausibly continue at this same clip, which, once again, by definition, makes these at least, you know, we don't, it's not a good, these guys aren't guarantees, you know, not, not to produce anything remotely in this uh, level on a consistent basis. So I think uh, we are compelled to... Um, Consider uh, trading Raheem Mostert and Devon A-Chain away this week if it's in order to fetch an elite fantasy asset in return. Let's keep moving on here. You know, a good way to a good way to start this process is to just go and see who scored the most points in the previous week. And like, was it any just kind of guys that really you know, uh, just outkick their coverage <laughs> for a lack of a better term in terms of outperformed their, you know, their, their, their generally accepted uh, talent or projections. If they did that by a mile, then that's like pretty clearly. And, and it, you know, you want to do it with the guys who went so bananas that it was eye-popping and kind of news, news-making and splashy that those folks are on everybody's mind. So the Miami Dolphins running backs at the top of the heap, I think the other guys you see that went bananas here, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, Kenneth Walker, Tyreek Hill, we're not trading any of these guys. Um, Adam, Adam Thielen, I mean, we can. he was on our uh, list here. We can go ahead and skip to Adam Thielen. I mean, this is a guy we're not interested in long term. Uh, I don't want to get in the nuts and bolts of it because we've got too many names to continue to buzz through as I pick up the pace here on the week four rosterwatch.com tradecast. But God bless America. If I had Adam Thielen, if I was in such an ugly situation that I even rostered Adam Thielen. Like this is the moment I'm looking forward to trade him away. He's actually got decent 
overall numbers on the season, coming off a 27-point, uh, half-point PPR performance in week three with big, big numbers, yardage on the field. Like, this is the time uh, to ship Adam Thielen away. Uh, I mean, let's just, I guess we'll just keep going here. Some of these are guys I had on, on the list, and we'll just continue in this order now that we are in this uh, view of the fantasy football trade market. I mean, the next guy, Tank Dell, a 24-point performance for Houston Texans uh, in week three. We think he's the real deal. The trash man loves him at rosterwatch.com. Player we like, a situation we love Stroud. He's really showing out early, like, Tank Dell, not a must-sell, but, I mean, the guy's on fire. And, I mean, considering the situation, it's just not a good team. I mean, yeah, they do look pretty good for rookies, but they are rookies. It's not a good team. I don't know. I mean, still seeing Robert Woods and some of these other guys getting receptions. Let's look at the week three snap counts down here in Houston because you're still seeing guys like Nico Collins and Robert Woods. Robert Woods, 77% snap count, six targets. Nico Collins, 66, only three targets. Uh, Mechie getting in there a little bit. Dalton Schultz getting in there a little bit. Principally, it's Tank Dell and Robert Woods, and that seems to have been the trend over this course of the season so far, and Tank Dell really seems to be the best. So corroborates everything we're saying. Once again, not a must-sell, but, I mean, come on. Like, use your senses. It's a rookie wide receiver on a bad team. He's really performing well. He's kind of a hot name. I mean, if you have to depart with him, um, in order to go get a premier player, like you absolutely can do it and you should consider it. Uh, we'll keep moving along in this view of top scores from week three that could have been outliers that we are very marketable at this moment. We may want to leverage this opportunity. Zach Moss, Indianapolis running back. I mean, congratulations if you handcuffed him in your draft. I kind of all, I was pretty fond of that idea. It's really worked out quite well that said like i think you know his 15 minutes of fame is about up if we get this jonathan taylor return i think what zach moss has proved is that that colts team looks pretty darn good down in the trenches which once again i believe that bodes well for jt and i mean i think just pretty as a uh, a matter of logic zach moss is relegated to a very small role once if and when jonathan taylor returns so you know, if you got to get a win this week and you got to play Zach Moss or whatever uh, this week, let's see who his matchup is. Uh, Zach Moss, Indianapolis, with a running back matchup here on the matchup tool at rosterrocks.com. Middling against the Rams. Look, got to play Moss this week. You get a win, you know, go for it. But I'd really look to package him up and ship him out for a better player in return. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Let's see here. Who else had a big score last week? I think uh, the kind of really interesting guys. I mean, maybe here's another one. We'll go from this view. This is the last uh, 
player we'll talk about that we're pretty interested in trading away this week in week four. That's James Conner, the running back for the Arizona Cardinals. Look, he's really surprised us. And that new regime has kind of like very surprisingly turning around the culture and the performance of that team in a way that I'm surprised by. But let's remember not too long ago, this everybody knew this was a very bad roster predicted to basically be the worst team in the league. Having a running back in that situation is far, far less than ideal, especially with a bad offensive line. Connor's been good. Connor looks like he's going to prove a lot of people wrong in fantasy this year. And like those people in your league you thought were kind of stupid because they didn't, they weren't sharp enough to know that Connor was in just a horrible situation uh, this year. Like those guys are looking pretty smart in your league right now. That's that said, I'm I just don't have a lot of faith in James Connor long term because I think it's a bad team. Even though I'm sure they kind of with that culture there, they want to play defense and run the football. Uh, I don't know, just not thrilled about it long term. I think if you can try to move on from. James Conner, it's not the worst idea in the world if you can go get somebody really good. God, for yeah, it's bad. It's a number 29 matchup of the week at the San Francisco 49ers this week against an elite defensive line. I'd be working the phones right now uh, in my fantasy football league trying to ship uh, James Conner off for a more reliable player uh, in return. Okay, let's uh, get to some of the other names I've jotted down here. Alexander Madison, surprisingly, his fantasy scores, not as bad as you would think, but, I mean, it feels like it has been an absolutely horrendous beginning of the season for Madison. And really, if you watch the games, it has been. He's not explosive enough. There's been a ton of mistakes. Cam Akers now in somewhere in the fold in Minnesota. Um, but coming off some decent numbers this last week, I just think you are nervous about what his prospects are Long term, I mean, you may not get a ton of value out of Madison, but I think he's a guy Wiley's marketable. If you're goosey about it, like you think about shipping him off, think about packaging him up and shipping him off. For for what it's worth, Alexander Madison with the number three matchup of the week at Carolina this week, so it could be a really nice uh, week four for Alexander Madison. So maybe play him this week, go get a win, reevaluate next week. Maybe your feelings change. Maybe his uh, value is even higher. But if you don't want to even see the next card, then and you just want to take it down right now, like go market his, you know, his game lock, go market his fantasy points in week three and his matchup in week four. Alexander Madison, I mean, it was an 80% snap count, 25 touches, seven targets, 125 yards in week three. The problem with Madison, just I don't think he has gotten in the end zone if I no he's looks like he's gotten one touchdown so four yard four yards per carry kind of belies what you see that's a lot better than you would think 5.67 targets per game I'm talking myself back into actually liking Madison a little bit but I'm gonna go with my eyes have seen and I think it's just looked bad and I'm not comfortable so a lot of this is going to depend on what your league mates think about Madison and what you feel about Madison. Is there some good, there's some bad here, but if your gut is like mine, that you're just not comfortable with what you've seen from Madison, but one of your league mates finds some of these selling points marketable. I mean, if you look at his underlying stats, they're actually all very, very good in real football 
and even somewhat for fantasy and then the matchup this week. I think if you got somebody who goes for that in your league, then like then you there's a lot to sell here with Madison and I'd certainly explore it. Uh next, the Kansas City Chiefs running backs. I mean, Jarek McKinnon basically a zero on the season, got the two touchdowns last week, but the production just simply was not there. It's this clearly nothing you can project to continue. McKinnon is not somebody you can play or start in fantasy right now. Um, I would, if there's any way to pack it, have them as like in a package, throw them in to sweeten up a deal this week. Coming off the two touchdowns, just being a running back on the Chiefs, you know, especially if it's to a team maybe who needs a couple of players in return, um, then I would definitely try to do it. And I'd say the same for Pacheco. I mean, we kind of like Pacheco. I think he's clearly the lead guy for the Chiefs. But I just think clearly he's, like, not going to be a workhorse, which is what you were somewhat holding out hope for, is finally maybe a lead has emerged, a little bigger body back, tougher runner, pretty good all around. Um, so maybe they'll grant him a little bit more work than we've seen. And then, boy, that sounds on paper amazing, like a quasi-bell cow on the Chiefs, the upside. And that's why he was drafted where he was drafted, and that's why he's not a bad player to roster or play if you have to. So by no means is Isaiah Pacheco a must-sell, but I think what we've, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, through three weeks, it just doesn't really feel like Pacheco is going to be is going to earn that workhorse role. And I think that pierces, you know, the, the, the logic that, you know, we'd had in our calculation when we came into the season with them. And how much do you want to plug along with kind of somewhat average guys? 14 touches per game, three targets per game, 4.4 yards per carry. And he's a flex. He's a decent flex. Uh, and I think there's still maybe a little more sheen than that to him as far as a marketable asset on your fantasy football trade market. So I'm surprised to bring this one up, but I do bring it up here at the last moment. My guy, Jerome Ford, Cleveland Browns out of Cincinnati, a prospect I was quite high on uh, when he came out. Um, Almost certain he was previously at University of Alabama before Cincinnati, and he obviously they have an elite running back lineage. Look, I mean... Jerome Ford's been good, right? He looks good. I'm so I'm I'm sad about Nick Chubb. I'm happy for Jerome Ford. He he looks good. Uh, the fantasy points have been good, uh, but if we're going to be honest with ourselves about Jerome Ford, it's a 45% touchdown dependency, which is not a sustainable clip. Meaning he's getting a lot of his fantasy production um, from touchdowns, and then. I mean, the fact is, you know, Kareem Hunt walked right into, like, at least a notable role in his very first week back, no training camp or anything. And you'd expect that that is going to grow. So as much as I like Jerome Ford, I think if we're honest with ourselves, he's a little bit touchdown dependent. I think I know that your people are going to twist themselves into a pretzel saying Kareem Hunt is washed. But if Cremont was still good enough to cut into Nick Chubb's workload last year, I'd say Cremont is almost certainly good enough to 
cut into Jerome Ford's workload this year, which starts to kind of bring them both into flex territory. If you look at Jerome Ford's touches on the season, 15.33 per game, 2.33 targets per game. I know some of that bakes in the games where uh, Chubb was healthy in week one, but still, I think, honestly, those are probably pretty reasonable numbers once you factor in uh, Kareem Hunt's reemergence. If you look at week three uh, for Jerome Ford and the Cleveland Browns, we had a 56% snap count, only 12 touches, three targets, 51 yards, and two tar- touchdowns. Take a lot of the touchdowns, and that's a pretty meager performance from Jerome Ford. We already saw seven touches and three targets for Kareem Hunt on only a 20% snap count. Uh, so he, in terms of touches per snap percentage, Hunt actually actually outperformed Ford. Like when they put Hunt on the field, they gave him the ball is essentially what I'm saying. It's because he knows that offense, right? So this is going to be a quick uh, transition and uh, we're going to have full-blown committee here. And I think they both become flex players. And look, Jerome Ford was a guy people were just all in on in their waiver wire markets uh, coming off of two touchdowns, a nice performance. If that sheen is still just bright in your league, like I'd leverage it. Why not flip Jerome Ford now? at his highest value of the season for a guy that you just simply trust more long-term. At the wide receiver position, uh, we mentioned Thielen earlier, DJ Chark, obviously a very non-notable name in fantasy at this point, but had a nice week three. Like That's a guy you don't even want on your roster. He's really a waiver wire guy. If somehow you have him and you can throw him into a deal just to get him off your roster, uh, coming off a decent week, I think you do it. Rondale Moore, the same thing. That touchdown was a rushing touchdown this last week. I don't think we'll be trusting him anytime soon. And then, you know, the Rams wide receivers, we talked kind of like Zach Moss and Taylor. We talked about trading, uh, I mean, kind of, we talked about trading for Jonathan Taylor and trading away Zach Moss. Well, we're talking about trading for Cooper Cup and possibly trading away Tutu Atwell or Puka Nakua. And I think you guys can. It's pretty self-evident as to why we may give that uh, consideration here in week four of the fantasy football trade market on the rosterwatch.com trade cast. All right, folks, let's keep moving along here, and then we'll try to give you some actionable, maybe uh, examples of possible trades you could construct in your league this week. Um, We'll just jog through this live, like Darren Waller, I think this is a guy that is, you know, somebody that at least needs to be on the radar, could be in play on the trade market uh, this week. Not necessarily one of our top targets, but two out of three kind of subpar performances, about six or seven targets a game for Waller. It certainly hasn't come out of the gate as fast as his managers were hoping, which I think you know, again, we talked about it with Goddard. It's a hard position to solve in fantasy. None of these guys are guarantees, even if you go get a Goddard or a Waller. But similar to Goddard, I think, you know, if you're looking to solve the tight end position, he's a guy you know, I think it would be worth taking a chance on. And at least you just set it and forget it and see what happens at the end of the season. The running back position, Alvin Kamara coming back soon, returning soon. Yeah, you know, Some of these guys are just holds because they could be – they could be buys, they could be sells, which a lot of times means they're holds, but I think it means they could be multi-directional and therefore 
like they may be on the move in one of your fantasy football leagues. Uh, so I think Alvin Kamara comes into focus a little bit. Uh, Javante Williams off to a slow start for the Broncos. Broncos off to a slow start. I think that's proceed with your own caution at your own risk there, but certainly a guy that I think could be had at this moment. Uh, and certainly a guy that if you have him, you might be starting to think, what am I going to do with this dude? Jameer Gibbs. It sounds like we're going to get a pretty swift recovery and return from David Montgomery here, which I think obviously you know, makes the considerations, uh, puts downward pressure on considerations for Gibbs. But that could make him a more of a ripe trade market, uh, lowering expectations in your league. I still think he looks... Very good, but he just hasn't had the breakout game yet. I think Montgomery's looked good. He's going to be a hog. He's still he's going to get a lot of the goal lines. It's going to be a running back uh, by committee. Clearly eats into Gibbs' upside when you know uh, uh, Montgomery's in there. So, uh, you know, I think Gibbs is a guy you could still be interested in trading for because he hasn't been that productive. Um, but I think he's a guy you could start to say, you know what, I'm I kind of reading the tea leaves here and. He's a guy I could part way with if I can get commensurate value with him, and it uh, is uh, you know facilitates uh, a deal on a player that I'm really interested in. Saquon Barkley, we're watching an injury return with him on a high ankle sprain. A lot of times we talk about um, circumstantial uh, uh, factors that lead to. Uh, players potentially being on the trade market. And a lot of times injuries are one of those. Like Barkley's been good, but he's kind of injured. So he may be available. Or you may be sick of Barkley's injury history. And you may say, you know what? If I don't have to sell him for too much of a discount, I'm done with this. I think he could go either direction. Miles Sanders, I think he's an interesting guy here. Just, you know, I think we know who he is in the league at this point, obviously. Um, but... He's getting 18 touches a game almost and 6.67 targets per game. The yards per carry is no good. Um, But gosh, man, a guy with his kind of athletic ability, getting that kind of volume, I think you could still certainly be interested in, but very much the same sentiment. It could be a guy that you've said, you know what, I drafted him, you know, kind of based on the upside of this type of increased profile, volume profile and, it's just not happening. It is who it is. And, you know, when I get the uh, a right moment to move him here, like that's where my head's at. I could see it going either way. I think you just need to have a purpose um, with all of this. You know, have sound logic. Think it through. And also, you know, make sure you're doing something to not only with a purpose uh, and seeking or uh, relinquishing a player, but also improving uh, your overall team. Rashad White. I mean, the Bucks. I mean, this guy, the kid's getting the workload. He's getting the workload, but, you know, we've always kind of, the jury's been out on whether he's ever going to be a super uh, dynamic player as an actual runner. We know how he is as a receiver, which is quite nice, but somewhat disappointing, only three targets, 3.33 targets per game. That's where you would expect him to really shine in standard, only eight and a half points per game. He's gotten in the end zone. Uh, one time, only 3.1 yards per carry. I mean, it's just crazy. He's a guy coming out of Arizona State. He was so prolific in the passing game. He had some Alvin Kamara to his profile. But you also said, man, he just doesn't, something about his running style, it's not, it's, it's not picturesque uh, as it relates to you know, projecting an NFL running back. 
but all, also he was effective. And then he came to the combine. He ran the dude ran fast. He ran sub four five somewhere in the four fours. Then obviously he had a very uh, fast rise through the ranks uh, there in Tampa. But we weren't sure, you know, about his running style last year on tape. And we thought the Bucks O line was in pretty good shape heading into this season. Not the best in the league, but not the worst in the league. And we're back at 3.1 yards per carry. Like the guy is not, he's a, it's, I think I heard my buddy Jeff Ratcliffe say it on the radio the other day. He is a hard runner, but something about his style, he's not the most natural runner. And I have concerns for now. He's getting all the touches. So not too much to worry about there, but you do wonder if long-term, if this continues, if it devolves a little bit for Rashad White. On the other hand, you can make the argument like, dude, this guy's getting 19 touches a game and the Bucks are better than we thought they were going to be. It's just a matter of time until he breaks out. That's Rashad White running back at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, you'll need to make that assessment for yourself, but I do believe he's a name that could be on the move in your fantasy football trade market. Brian Robinson, my guy with the Commanders, he was kind of... I mean, Cody and Alex beat me up for it all draft season, but Brian Robinson, I just had this, you know, my view was that he could be a significant fantasy football player. I hate to say league winner, but I mean, a very impactful player if things worked out the way that they perhaps could work out. And we're seeing that with Brian Robinson so far. I think you have to decide, you know, what do you make? of the team and of the situation. What do you make of it? What do your league mates make of it? But I don't think he's an untouchable. I think he's certainly been performing better than people expect. So you have to decide, is that real or is that fake? And whatever your decision is there, that'll dictate kind of what you want to do with Brian Robinson. Let's see here. I want to see, let's look up his numbers on the season here. We have... Brian Robinson Jr., Washington, 4.6 yards per carry. I mean, Alex and Cody can stick that in their pipe and smoke it, man. To their point, you know, I'm the steward of the half-point and standard uh, uh, draft cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com, and he's only a 1.67 target per game guy. So I get their bias from a PPR perspective, but I think as a player, as a runner, uh, they've underestimated him. And, and I think what they underestimated was his capability to kind of rise to somewhere close to kind of workhorse back. And we're seeing that almost 17 touches a game. He's getting the goal lines. He's getting the touchdowns, the three touchdowns per game. Somewhat touchdown dependent, but not crazy touchdown dependent. I think mostly indicative that Brian Robinson Jr. is going to continue to be a touchdown scorer for the Washington Commanders. Uh, this season uh, once again make of it what you will and uh you know i'd poke around on what's going on with brian robinson in my league if i was active on the fantasy football trade market ramondre stevenson derrick henry aaron jones kyron williams these are all running backs that stevenson is kind of underwhelmed a player we've never been super hot on but a player that we've seen really good things out of and also has Kind of that three-down capability, pass-catching ability. Mac Jones looking a little better this year. Like, if you tell me you were poking around on what's going on with a distressed Ramondre Stevenson owner, I wouldn't be surprised. If you tell me you owned Ramondre Stevenson and you were getting a little goosey and starting to figure out, like, you know, he's he's at least kind of on your radar. This is a guy you may want to make a move with. 
again, I wouldn't blame you. Derrick Henry. Boy, we don't like that usage so far. Certainly, you'd have to call him a buy low. The question is, how bad of a team is this? Is he going to regain a full complement of work? I just think it's highly questionable unless this team turns things around. If they're really good, I think Derrick Henry gets really involved. I mean, to be fair, they're going to have to go to that well soon if they want to salvage the season before it gets away from them. So hopefully we'll find out uh, sooner than later, but I think this is a guy we'll need to keep a pulse on, uh, Derrick Henry. Not a guy at, at his point that I'm overly interested in in my leagues, just age, team, all of this kind of stuff. But again, he could go in both ways. Maybe you wait for a good game this week and ship him out. Aaron Jones, a lot to consider here with him. Uh, you know, we need to see if he's going to play or not this week. Uh, he is in the Thursday night game, so maybe too short of a uh, runway here for you to react on the Aaron Jones trade market in week four. But guy, we're clearly uh, watching is AJ Dillon uh, is no good, and we really like this Jordan Love uh, led offense. Um, that said, Aaron Jones is a guy, too, has injury history, and you know maybe we're not totally married to him. So a guy we'll be watching. And then Kyron Williams, a player we thought looked better at Cam Akers at Rams camp this year. We got him a lot on the half-point and standard cheat sheet late in drafts for our pro subscribers uh, this year. Uh, we kind of thought this could a situation like this could occur. That said, our hesitation with Kyron Williams has still been like the Rams. They could easily be just devolve into a very bad team. Not a good offensive line. He's way undersized. And now he's coming off. He had a couple of good weeks, but now he's coming off of a down week. So he could be a buy low. Could also be a situation where Kyron Williams, I think it was a fifth round pick, undersized fifth round pick. Like, could be a guy that some of these dudes flash, but they're not able to sustain it over the long run. So it's like Canary in the coal mine that Kyron Williams, maybe this is a guy we consider selling high on uh, when we're in that position. I think this is something that we need to watch closely. Fortunately, a Sean McVay offense, we do like, a, you know, they look good, and we do like participating in their running game from a fantasy perspective, especially as Kyron has. Uh, a full stranglehold on that at the wide receiver position. Other guys that I don't think they have to move this week, but that may, I think you may see their names flying around in deals. These guys, their names may be already running through your head as you're assessing the landscape of your league this week. Certainly T Higgins is a guy. I think when you guys poke around on his profile to this juncture in the season, you'll see T Higgins very well could be a guy that, you may either want to trade for, or you may his owners may be getting antsy. Maybe, maybe you've, maybe you're not long for T. Higgins at this point. I think that puts him in play. Christian Watson, also the Thursday night game with Green Bay, will be interested to see his debut with what looks to be like a really good Jordan Love. Super excited to see uh, this connection again. Uh, short turnaround time here. Uh, before the Thursday night game, you may not be able to react on Christian Watson this week, but I think a guy to at least have uh, an eye on. Maybe you can pick him off uh, before the game from an owner who just doesn't trust him. Maybe 
based on his reemergence, you can sell him before the game because now he's marketable again and you don't, you know, you don't trust him. Or maybe you wait and you see what happens and we go from there. Certainly Calvin Ridley has underwhelmed in recent weeks. I, I mean, not in my view, not surprisingly, there's just a lot of guys to throw the foot. I just think there's a lot of guys that Trevor Lawrence can distribute to. Jags haven't looked amazing in year two of the collaboration between Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson, head coach, although we do like that connection. And generally speaking, we'd say we, for offensive football, for fantasy, we do, we do, uh, we do like that quarterback coach or uh, uh, arrangement there in Jacksonville. And we think there's that therefore there could be enough production to go around to kind of all these guys and on paper, Calvin Ridley probably, uh, still is the best, but, um, you're certainly not blown away after weeks, uh, two and three. If you're a Calvin Ridley owner, let's just talk about it right now to give you some uh, content around this Calvin Ridley, 82% snap count, seven targets, three touches, 40 yards, uh, in week three out snapped pretty much out somewhat marginally outdone by Christian Kirk who got in the end zone. I'd say marginal, you know, matched by Evan Ingram, uh, there, uh, you know, let's not forget Travis Etienne gets five targets, uh, there. So I think, I think this is just the honest situation with Calvin Ridley. It's kind of a wide receiver by committee, and it's not an absolute top-shelf offense. So I know people remember how good he was at times in Atlanta and then saw week one and thought that they absolutely hit pay dirt. But I think that at this point, you tamper your expectations on him or you know, or maybe, maybe, maybe you're like, dude, this is my buy low moment. It is on paper, surprisingly, at home, a very difficult matchup for fantasy wide receivers against the Atlanta Falcons, 43.5-point game total. The Jaguars are favored by three in this one here in a week four versus the Falcons. Devontae Smith, I was really impressed at Eagles camp with the progress. It's crazy to say, like, I've been all over the Devontae Smith thing. You know, I loved him last year. Hyped him up from camp last year. Roster Watch Nation made a ton of hay on him in the mid to late rounds in our fantasy leagues last year. He really kind of started off boom bust, but finished the season really strong. And it's just that's one of the offenses where there's enough to go around, right? But even even there, we still see that when there's that you know multiple really good players, it just can't be a good week every week like it is for a Justin Jefferson. Or one of these guys. I mean, even A.J. Brown is is affected by it. So, Devontae Smith on the season, better numbers than A.J. Brown from a fantasy perspective. That pendulum swung back big time in Brown's favor in week three. Um, But, you know, I guess you could... What I'm saying is, uh, Devontae Smith has continued to grow his role. He's that good. As good as A.J. Brown is, Devontae Smith is so good. I was shocked to see that he was able to not only be even improved at training camp this year, but also grow his role. And I think this is part of the situation that's affecting Dallas Goddard so far in this season. It was more of a trinity last year. This year, I think it's more of like a you know 1A, 1B, and now Goddard kind of down more as a 3 than you know like a 2B or something like this. So I think that's what they're, we're seeing. 
Um, you have to accept this somewhat of a boom-bust profile with Devontae Smith. I think he's still going to finish as a very nice receiver. I don't think you're going to buy him super low, but he is coming off of a down week, so I thought that made him uh, worthy of speaking about. And also, again, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of guys you're going to go trade Devontae Smith for, but if you're going after a really elite player, I mean, we're not, he's not an untouchable because he does have uh, this somewhat of this boom bust aspect to his profile. And ultimately, he's still not even the wide receiver one on his own team. Let's keep moving along here. We talked about Tank Dell. I think you could put Jordan Addison in the same category, actually on much less volume. Guys, am I, I mean, we like Jordan Addison, and I know that the Roster Watch crew likes Jordan Addison a whole lot, but I got I have to check something out here live on this week's trade cast really quick. Jordan, Jordan Addison. So we're looking at half point PPR, points per game. Jordan Addison. Wide receiver, 26. Okay. And that's three games played, two touchdowns scored. And let's see here, where is his... So, I mean, actually, I guess that puts him... If you look at it then, uh, that's going to put Jordan Addison right around wide receiver 26, which actually is uh, pretty pretty nice. Let's see here, we're not on massive amount of volume. Let's see what the targets per game are for Addison. Jordan Addison is... Uh, 6.33 targets per game. I think that's what gives me a little pause for concern and the 40% touchdown dependency in standard league. So again, look, Kirk Cousins is on fire right now. Justin Jefferson's really opened things up. They can't run the ball like we just spoke about Madison. At least they're, it doesn't it doesn't look very good. So obviously Addison, uh, not a must sell, uh, but a guy that I certainly think... Um, like if you had to part with him because you're going to go get somebody that you feel like over the moon about, then I think it's totally fine. Here's the other thing I'm looking at. Let's look at week three with Minnesota. You know, I think the other guy that you always kind of forget in Minnesota, who's clearly third, fourth fiddle, I get fourth fiddled when you consider Hawkinson, is you got KJ Osborne still coming in here at a 93% snap count. He did get the touchdown last week. And only three targets. So he's out snapping Jordan Addison. From a snap perspective, he's second only to Justin Jefferson. I think that's what was giving me some cognitive dissonance here as I was working through this. Week two, a 97% snap count for KJ Osborne. Again, second only Justin Jefferson. Six targets. He out targeted Addison in week two and a touchdown. So. Bottom line, fantasy production still definitely in Addison's favor. We know the talent is definitely in Addison's favor, but you can't forget you got you still got KJ Osborne mucking that situation up a little bit from time to time, which I think makes Addison like nice player to keep. But boy, if you could sell him, he's marketable. He's certainly a marketable asset, and I think you could use him to fetch a really nice player in return. Uh, DK Metcalf, let's see here. DK Metcalf, we want to get too much into, uh, oh my goodness, is DK Metcalf, here we go, wide receiver 27, operating in that same territory as Jordan Addison on the same, basically the same target volume. That's getting ugly for DK Metcalf, who was drafted early. I don't want him 
If he still has a big name recognition in my league, I'm trying to ship him off. Cortland Sutton, pretty clearly the lead receiver so far in Denver, but it's been ugly. It doesn't really, I don't, this it doesn't look good. You have Jerry Judy reemerging now. Sutton is just not overly explosive. He is going to get some action in the red zone, but I'm not, we're not thrilled about Cortland Sutton rest of the season. I think his value is probably at least towards the higher end of his spectrum. Uh, for the season. So I think this is a good time to shop him around in a combination deal for a better play in return. Poor Garrett Wilson, a guy I just was dying to see after being at Jets camp this year. Wanted to see the connection with Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Garrett Wilson had the chance to be right at the top of the heat this year. It's just, you know, there's been a few things that have just broken my heart in fantasy over the years. One of them was the when Gus Edwards, we thought we were going to get Gus Edwards two or three years ago with full run over the Ravens' backfield after Justice Hill and J.K. Dobbins suffered season-ending injuries in training camp. And then Gus Edwards, who I thought was going to be the steal of the century that year, injured like week one of practice and like poof gone so that was heartbreaking but he wasn't such a prominent player i mean it was heartbreaking to see nick chubb who we saw at training camp this year go down i mean this was going to be an adrian peterson-esque year for nick chubb and as a fan you're just disappointed not to see it and then garrett wilson is the other one i mean i've seen all these guys and garrett wilson with aaron Rodgers, that was going to be like in the Devonte adams like range of of fantasy production. <laughs> I mean, this was going to be up there uh, with like the very, 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 very top guy. So it's disappointing to see. I think what we have to understand is he's a good player that's hard to bench because he's still going to make big plays. But boy, it's 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 not. You're going to be holding your breath every week at this point, and certainly you're not going to get remotely close to the upside you originally imagined when you drafted Garrett Wilson and your league mates know that. But I think we've seen low target volume and we don't like what we're seeing with Zach Wilson, obviously. So I hate to say it, but Wilson, at least maybe based on draft capital and name recognition, you know, I think he's a guy that could be in play to sell. If you can go get somebody you trust more rest of the season you know, and, and vice versa. Maybe, maybe like you've got a desperate Garrett Wilson owner who just hates his situation at this point. I mean, if you told me I could pick off Garrett Wilson for cheap and put him in my flex every week or my wide receiver three or like he's my best bench player or something like this in a competitive league, like that's a pretty damn good situation too. So once again, a lot of these guys we're talking about here were like it's not definitive whether they're tr- sells or buys, which makes a lot of them potentially either like holds or guys were just considering they could be in play and it could mean that they're you know not must buys and they're not must sells but not everybody is every week and then last but not least i think we look again short reaction time on this thursday night game but romeo dubs on absolute fire uh, for the green bay packers with some indicators on the tools over at rosterwatch.com showing that he's certainly could be a sell high guy especially with the return of uh, Christian Watson, uh, imminent here. And then Marvin Mims in Denver, player we really like uh, coming out, been pretty bullish on his situation. 
uh, in Denver in terms of a rookie being thrust into a significant role. Our eyes tell us he's he either has or should surpass Jerry Judy in the pecking order soon. I think the reality is it's probably just cannibalistic between those two and really the in, entire group, which um, tells me that while Marvin Mims, he's a top waiver wire pickup right now, he's putting up some nice numbers. While people are excited about him, I think uh, he's a player uh, that you could consider uh, look to uh, ship him off and do a deal with. All right, folks, before we wrap up the inaugural edition of the 2023 RosterWatch.com Tradecast, once again, I'm Byron Lambert, and we always like to leave you with uh, some examples of some trades that you may want to attempt to construct in your league. So let's use our top trade targets here. Let's say we wanted to go after C.D. Lamb. Well, maybe we could trade... Alexander Madison and who's one of the wide receivers we talked about. I mean, can you trade Alexander Madison and, um, you know, Cortland Sutton or, you know, I hate, I hate to say Garrett Wilson, maybe even Garrett Wilson or Tank Dell or, you know, a, a, a Devonte Smith or a T Higgins, you know, one of these guys. I mean, this is the way you need to be conjuring things up something in that mold, Right. Um, gosh, the other guy here to watch is Brandon Ayuk. I think obviously very good, looked very good at camp. I think you could argue he's the best, certainly the best pure receiver on the 49ers with a good connection with Purdy, but you know, clearly a lot of a lot of different talented guys there that can go off in any week. I think it makes it hard to reliably predict big production on a week-to-week basis. I think still at heart it's Kyle Shanahan. He wants to run the football. Also, a few indicators for Ayuk that indicate, you know, as much as we like him, he's not an untouchable if you were able to sell high in order for an elite player uh, in return. Uh, let's say we wanted, so that's an example for C.D. Lamb. Let's say we wanted to go after Josh Jacobs. Maybe for Josh Jacobs, could we take a, you know, like we said, a Jerome Ford, a Madison, a Pacheco, could we take a you know a Javante Williams a uh, a James Conner you know can we take one of these guys and can we package them up with uh, you know a, a receiver or maybe a lower end running back I mean maybe it's Jerome Ford plus Alexander Madison and you can go for Jacobs I mean this is the way to think about it really you want to craft a trade that's going to entice the other party to get the deal done so try to identify their needs first. You know, you could save yourself a lot of time. Figure out first and foremost before you undertake this activity every week. You know, listen to this podcast. Do you have guys on your team that we've talked about? If you don't, then don't spend time on it. Like, do you have guys that you want to buy or sell this week? If not, then stay on the sidelines and um, save yourself some effort. But also, if you're going to make a trade, like you're going to put the effort into it, you'd like to succeed. So uh, you need to be objective driven and you need to think of what your 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 audience, your target, the other party is looking for that's going to entice them. And so that means you need to understand their needs in order to craft a trade that has a high percentage chance of getting done and therefore being an effective use of your time. Let's see one more here. Let's go with, so if we wanted to go after Taylor or Eckler or Cup, I mean, guys, it's, it's, it's pretty much the same thing. I think you can back the value down a little bit for those guys over a Jacobs or a Lamb if they're if they continue to be sidelined and or injured. 
All right, folks, uh, that's a wrap for week four of the rosterwatch.com uh, fantasy football trade cast. And uh, until next time, this is Rosterwatch. credit card bill.